This is the CFF Sites Week 3 College Fantasy Football Show. That's right, Week 3 is already here. A couple of weeks in the books now, and the one thing I like about Week 3, once we get to this point, we've got a couple of data points, right? There, there are still a bunch of questions in regards to college football in general, and for us, college fantasy football, when it comes to you know, some of the our roster moves, some of the guys we drafted. In my notes and observations article this past week, I did reference quite a few names that some of you guys may have drafted uh, on whether or not we're, we're, you know, my suggestion to hold, to move on and look elsewhere. Um, you know, that kind of gave my two cents. I think after three weeks, we'll even have a better idea. And here's here's why it's tough sometimes after two weeks. Sometimes, you know, you get a team that opens up with a cupcake, you know, that second game, they start settling into uh, their their regular rotation. And then all of a sudden, week three, you know, maybe maybe a new name or two emerges. Or, you know, they start off with a tough opponent in week one. And just when we think we've got it figured out, you know, you go into week two coming off that tough opponent. And then all of a sudden, coaches want to work in a little rotation there. And then you have those other teams right now that a couple of matchups into the season, a couple of weeks into the season, and we're still getting some rotation we still feel that we don't know exactly what's going on because some teams just haven't been tested yet well the good news is week three is here we're getting closer to those conference matchups we've got conference matchups that have been going on since week zero but they just get a little more prevalent in the schedule as we get a little deeper into the season and still you know so still a lot of non-conference games and matchups to talk about if you are streaming defense special teams still a lot of great matchups to take advantage of this week uh one suggestion on the format of the show um it, you know we're you know someone suggested this last week and it it is tough when the non-conference schedule um you know does not have a lot of conference matchups one suggestion was to run down the games Conference by conference, I'm going to try to do that this week. We're going to do it by the time we get halfway through. Though, remember, we we will already have covered most of the games. You know, when you're talking about some of those interconference matchups, so we're going to cover them. I'm going to go and try to knock knock out these matchups conference at a time. That way, if you feel like you want to go ahead and skip to a particular conference, it makes it a little easier to find some of those matchups for your players throughout this show and and you know just for me to give my two cents on the matchup the projections for week three are live on the site the top 20 rankings live on the site mike's already got his friday dfs write-up that's already published live on the site and i'm recording this tonight early i'm recording this wait late wednesday night so still some news and nuggets on injuries that may come through in the next 24 48 hours where we may have to make some adjustments but if you don't have the CFF sites, player projections, now's a great time to get in there. I always say this every year. I've been, you know, we've been having the projections now for a number of years. Because the projections depend so much on on trends, historical data, sometimes those projections take three weeks or so to kind of settle in before I find they really get consistent. 
You know, the one thing about college, it's a lot different than the NFL, you know, through attrition and roster turnovers every year. Um, You know, the, you know, whether or not teams are good or bad, you know, not everyone's in Alabama or in, or in Ohio state. Right. So it takes a couple of weeks for college fantasy football. When you're talking in particular about 130 teams to really get some good data points to really get and settle in some trends, really see how the roster rotations settle out. So you see a lot of volatility in the pre in the player week, weekly player projections for college fantasy football. I always find the first couple of weeks, but as we get into three, four, five, I always find that those projections start actually kind of, you know, they start settling down and, and, and we start nailing them as we get a few data points. So, with that being said, one quick shout out to the 4-1 Super Fantasy League. I have not updated the brackets yet, but let me give a shout out to the new top five at the top of the list. These are the five teams that lead the 4-1 total points format after two weeks. And number one at the top, Green Giants with 818. Uncle Buck in second at 807. Heismanberg, 799. Left Coast at 790. And in fifth, Legenbaz at 781, and right behind them, Viola FC at 780. So those are your top six. Long way to go, guys. Get those rosters refreshed. Get them updated. Remember, you can only use one player one time all year. Get those rosters cleared out before the weekend games start and get those week three rosters locked. The first half tournament is ongoing. I need to update that bracket. We should be down to 16 teams after last week's matchup. That will be updated by the weekend as well. So uh, getting ready. The Eliminator is about to to kick off, and then we've got the head-to-head tournament that's going to start in a couple of weeks as well. So a long way to go in that 4-1 Super Fantasy League. Remember, for all you guys that feel like that you've kind of missed something, you haven't started your lineup yet, I think there's only a couple of teams that haven't done that. You only have to accumulate one point through the first, I think it's three or four weeks to qualify for the eliminator. So even though you may have messed up, maybe you made a roster mistake early on in the year, stick with it because you still can qualify for the other tournaments and you still qualify for the eliminator. And so a long way to go in the four and one super fantasy league. So With that being said, we are going to get into the week three matchups. Here we go. I'm going to start with the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let's talk ACC. And uh, the good thing about starting with that conference is we do have a Friday night matchup. Florida State playing on the road at Louisville. Malik Cunningham, surprise so far, one total touchdown on the year. I know I had him high on my list. He was my preseason number one quarterback coming into the season. He's got some work to do. Travis, uh, Jordan Travis, on the other hand, as well, coming off of two consecutive seasons of 500-plus rushing yards so far this season, only 42. We wonder in this Friday night matchup if this is the game where both of the quarterbacks get get going. Louisville playing their first home game of the year. Uh, this matchup, to me, really, you know, at the preseason, I would have thought maybe this matchup might be uh, the the winner of this matchup would be the sleeper to maybe win this division in the long run. This should be a good one. Let's see if Travers and Cunningham 
can turn it into their show on a Friday night matchup, but I'm not sitting any of those guys yet. I'm still rolling with those guys. And of course, uh, of course, Tyon Evans, the running back for Louisville, you've got to lock him into your lineup. Virginia Tech playing home against Wofford. And here's, you know, here's the deal. If you're streaming defenses, Virginia Tech's out there. Go ahead and get them. Chattanooga, Elon. Those are the two teams that Wofford has played so far this year. The offense, well, the, any part of the uh, team, whether it's offense or special teams, they have yet to score a single point this year. That looks very good and very promising for you guys streaming Virginia Tech's defense in week three. We've got Old Dominion taking on Virginia this week. And tight end Zach Koontz, what has happened to him He's been non-existent in that old Dominion offense. Let's see if if he gets things going. I don't blame any of you guys that are passing on him up until this point. Brendan Armstrong and that Virginia offense, three points last week in that road loss at Illinois. You have to wonder, you have to hope, at least if you have Armstrong, you're not going to sit him in this matchup. You have to have hopes that this is a get-right matchup against Old Dominion. Ole Miss traveling to Georgia Tech. Lane Kiffin still, uh, you know, wants to play games with naming a starting quarterback. I don't think he's done it yet. We're in the middle of the week. But uh, my partner, Mike Bainbridge, high on tight end Michael Trigg in the preseason. He's been off to a nice start. Jonathan Mingo off to a really good start as well. I think the disappointment for Ole Miss is, is Jalen Robinson, who we were high on after they brought him in as a transfer. He's really... Uh, hasn't done much in that Ole Miss offense up until this point. And then, you know, high hopes for Zach Evans. And I think Zach Evans is still going to get a really good workload. But remember, we had Ulysses Bentley come in and transfer in from SMU. But the story in the backfield, in addition to Zach Evans so far, has been Quinshaw Judkins, the young uh, running back that has been a force back there, led the team in rushing last week. And I think he's going to have a big role in this offense as the weeks go by. And I do expect, I would expect my prediction and the projections we have Jackson Dart projected as the starter for Ole Miss this week. Liberty playing at Wake Forest last week. I suggested holding on to Caden Salter, the quarterback for Liberty. They were playing UAB last week. Uh, you know, take advantage of some future matchups. I, I felt like he could be a really good fantasy asset for a lot of you guys moving forward. He's going to have to score some points this week for Liberty playing Wake Forest. And Sam Hartman looked like he did not miss any time whatsoever. Great news for owners of wide receiver A.T. Perry, who looked like he needed Sam Hartman back and had a big week last week. And so obviously, if you're an owner of A.T. Perry, you're feeling great now that Hartman is back. Duke, so far a surprise, 2-0 start. Jalen Calhoun, 12 receptions for 198 yards. He's likely to be in a lot of you guys' lineups this week. Texas Tech playing at North Carolina State. You have to wonder if that, you know, after North Carolina State struggled in that opener against East Carolina, was that win last week against Charleston Southern, is that going to jumpstart the offense? Texas Tech. You know, got things going against Murray State in the opener. Big win last week for them against Houston in that overtime game. 
completed a big, you know, they converted on a big fourth and 20 in one of the overtimes, which led to that, that, that victory. And for fantasy owners of miles price, they have to be feeling good after price didn't have a good opener. Uh, and with a bounce back week last week, I still think, and I'm going to touch on this matchup a little bit more. I'm, I'm interested to see how things play out here because I, I said at the onset onset of the year that I did not think that Texas tech had the easiest run in the schedule. So I was worried about a little quarterback rotation. They got by Houston last week. Let's see if they can give NC state fits. Uh, I was expecting to see a little bit. I was, I thought NC state would be, or look a little better, a little tighter on offense. And I still don't think that they're yet, there yet. And I do think Texas tech has an outside shot to, to pull this one out at NC state, even though they're going in as dogs. But I would not be surprised. Uh, we don't have, um, you know, Texas Tech players ranked highly this week, you know, for for in Kitley's offense on the road at NC State. They're just outside of the top 20 for me. So we'll see how this matchup plays out. But I still think, you know, you've got the receiver, Bradley. You've got to get him in there. Devin Leary, This there should still be some points in this matchup. Boston College play in Maine. And again, if you're streaming defenses, Boston College is a nice look this week. I think we're going to get a big week from wide receiver Zay Flowers. Maine opened the season with a 49-0 loss at New Mexico. So my suggestion is if you need a defense and you're a little de- and you're desperate and you can't get Virginia Tech, BC is a nice secondary option for you, at least while we're talking ACC. Clemson hosting Louisiana Tech, and I'm just waiting. We're just waiting for that Clemson offense, right? I still don't know how they're going to be long-term. Running back Will Shipley should be in your lineup, though. I'm concerned about whether or not he's going to really be able to rack up the yards, but back-to-back games with two TDs in it, so it looks like he's going to be the guy around the goal line, and I would expect Clemson to score some points against Louisiana Tech this weekend, so I would get Will Shipley into your lineup. And then the last matchup on the ACC schedule is a big matchup, Miami playing at Texas A&M. So much we could talk about here, but I'll focus on the running backs with Miami because you have to wonder if the production of Henry Parrish and Thaddeus Franklin up to this point is squeezing out Jalen Knighton. Many fantasy owners that drafted Knighton are now looking to drop him. I can't blame you. I still think right now it's a little bit of a hold, but I'm having my doubts right now. And if Knighton fits into the offense, you then have to wonder for you owners of Henry Parrish and Thaddeus Franklin, how much will Knighton's involvement in the offense affect their fantasy output moving forward? And those two guys have been really good. Moving forward, well, this weekend we should probably get a great idea of where that stands. Not a lot, not if you got, uh, you know, a lot of you all may not be rolling with those guys this weekend. That you know, Miami's playing at Texas A and M. Texas A and M is struggling, but they're struggling on offense. Their defense is okay, so I don't expect a lot of points in this game. You wonder if Texas A and M is going to ride Devin Ashane. That Texas A and M offense has not looked great, but I think if you have Ashane, you have to get him in there. They're going to run the offense through him. And I just wonder, and I wonder, and I, look, I, I haven't heard anything. And I don't know if we're going to get any of this information before kickoff. But you wonder if A&M may make a switch maybe to Max Johnson on offense at quarterback. Maybe they make a switch 
I think long-term looking out, look, A&M season's in front of them. You've got to win the SEC to even have a shot to get into the, you know, at this point to, to get into the college football playoff. But that's wishful thinking if, uh, if I'm an A&M, A&M fan right now. To me, they were the most overranked team in the preseason going into this season. I mean, you could probably throw Notre Dame into that conversation, but if Texas A&M has an outside shot, they actually have to win the SEC, and I think the only way that that happens is they have to make a change at quarterback. So we'll see if Max Johnson gets his shot. Maybe the freshman gets a chance, or if they roll with Haynes King. But if you have to, it, you know, you have to think that if if they lose another game, then maybe for some of you guys looking longer term, uh, Weigman Connor Weigman, the freshman, you wonder if he would eventually get a shot. So that's going to do it for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Next, let's take a look at the Big 12. Oklahoma traveling to Nebraska. Obviously, Scott Frost relieved of his duties. No longer the coach, but even though we don't know what we may get from Nebraska in this home matchup, you know they'll, they will probably be pumped up for this game, rivalry game that goes back. New coach, you wonder if they get a bump. But it's hard to sit Anthony Grant at this point. Opens the year with three straight 100-yard rushing games. So he's got to be a start for you guys. And then over on the Oklahoma side, Marvin Mims, seven catches, 163 yards, two touchdowns last week. There you go. That's the game we were looking for. And now Marvin Mims hopefully will be an elite fantasy option for you guys. And I think, you know, the one good thing to come out of, uh, you know, Oklahoma's matchup last week too is just see – Eric Gray continuously get fed 26 carries now on the year. And so after the year he had last year, transferring over from Tennessee where he wasn't used a ton, looks like he will get the majority of the work in that Oklahoma backfield. So good news if you have Eric Gray. Texas State traveling to Baylor. Baylor coming off that loss to BYU. And I think the storyline for Baylor is what's going on with the backfield. We were high on Tay McWilliams at the beginning of the year. He got banged up last year. Craig Williams, Quaylen Jones last week, both of those guys got at least 15 carries in that matchup against BYU. If McWilliams is out, which I anticipate him to be out, you know, uh, whenever a guy goes out because of a hard hit or if there's some type of concussion protocol, I'm not sure. I, I think I saw McWilliams maybe in in, in that. Uh, I'm not too optimistic about guys playing the following week after a concussion, just kind of given the history of following college football, particularly in a matchup against a game in a game in a matchup against a team like Texas State, where Baylor will not need Tay McWilliams to win this game. But if McWilliams is out, I do believe that both Craig Williams and Quaylen Jones will both be solid fantasy options in this matchup. So I could see fantasy owners starting both of those guys. Townsend playing at West Virginia, and really this is just a chance for Graham Harrell to kind of show off his offense, get the numbers up. Wide receiver Bryce Ward, feet, uh, Ward uh, Ford Wheaton, 20 catches, 249 yards, four touchdowns through two games. Get him. Obviously, he's a must-start this week and a top-five week three receiver for us. Houston playing, let's see. No, I'm sorry. Ohio playing at Iowa State. This is the one that I want to talk about because Jarrell Brock, you know, this was this was 
a matchup that you know I talked about at the beginning of the show. Sometimes it takes a good matchup for us to know how a coach leans in his running back rotation. There was a lot of question marks coming into the year, particularly late. Guys like Norton, uh, maybe even Eli Sanders were figuring into the rotation in that Iowa State backfield. But when you look at last week's win over Iowa, Jarrell Brock, 27 carries and 100 yards in the win. Now I think Brock is your solid running back one in Iowa State, and I think it's his job to lose. They're going to feed him the rock. I think he will get a heavy workload moving forward. Hopefully that continues, knowing that um, knowing Matt Campbell's history of like of how he likes to ride his RB1s. Hopefully last week's matchup against Iowa kind of told the story of what to expect down the line, and hopefully Jarrell Brock, big week for him this week against Ohio. At least that's how I can see things playing out. And Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver, four touchdown receptions on the year already. There's no reason to think that he won't find the end zone this week in that matchup against Ohio. Tulane, play, Tulane playing at Kansas State. And look, Deuce Vaughn's going to do Deuce Vaughn's things. Deuce Vaughn things. I think Adrian Martinez, the quarterback for Kansas State, he's the guy that's kind of under the microscope right now because he hasn't been as much of a fantasy factor as maybe I thought he would be after two games. Let's give him a chance. Maybe he gets things going a little bit more this week in that matchup against Tulane. Kansas playing at Houston. This could be a great chance for Kansas to catch Houston after they just caught West Virginia. Houston coming off of that loss. That overtime loss, heartbreaker to Texas Tech, it was the game I felt Houston really needed to win to put them in a position uh, to get into a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the year. That did not happen. The good thing to come out of this game in that loss to Texas Tech, Brandon Campbell, 16 carries, 80 yards, a touchdown, four catches out of the backfield for 54 yards. And so I think moving forward, he is a legitimate fantasy option and should be a start this week in that matchup against Kansas. For on the Kansas side, I, I love the offense. I know what we, you know, what we're going to get from the backs. I'm just worried about whether or not they're going to get enough carries in that backfield to be a factor. There's rotation going on right now, so I'm a little hesitant to say roll with the Kansas backs. But I think we get another week, see how things play out. But I am worried a little bit about the rotation in that backfield. Arkansas Pine Bluff traveling to Arkansas State, another big game for, for Spencer Sanders and the Oklahoma State offense is what I'm expecting. But much like we got with Jarrell Brock at Iowa State, that matchup last week, you know, remember Oklahoma State, that was a strange game against Central Michigan in the beginning of the year. They just came out. They were blowing them out. Central Michigan kept chipping away. It was a lot of offense in that game. But then Oklahoma State gets a decent matchup against a decent defense against Arizona State. And we see Dominic Richardson, after we were a little concerned about his lack of utilization in week one, carry the ball 27 times for 131 yards and a touchdown against Arizona State. I think that bodes well moving forward. I still think we might see a little rotation in this game. This is a game that Oklahoma State should put away early. But I think moving forward, you've got to feel really good if you have Dominic Richardson on your roster. And then of course, UTSA on the road playing at Texas and, you know, Texas, that close game last week, that tough, that tough loss to Alabama. We'll see how that affects them this week, but 
I'm still expecting big games for receivers Xavier Worthy and Bijan Robinson. So that's going to put a wrap on the matchups in the Big 12. Let's jump into the matchups of the Big 10 now. So let's talk about Western Kentucky at Indiana. Obviously, for me, this is not going to be the matchup it was a year ago when Bailey Zappi and Zach Kitley's offense went into Indiana and gave them everything that they can handle. I still have questions about that Western Kentucky offense right now after two games. I think they'll have a tough time at Indiana this year. And for Indiana, last week was a chance after a big uh, week one for the passing game in that matchup against Illinois. Last week established the run against Idaho. Big game for running back Sean Shivers, the transfer that came in from Auburn. He had a big game. So you have to wonder if they try to assert themselves running the ball again and try to make it back-to-back weeks, try to get that running game going. But I still think the receivers, Cam Camper, DJ Matthews, they get enough targets. I think they are still good matchups this week in uh, against Western Kentucky if you need to get those guys in your lineup. Connecticut playing on the road at Michigan. Obviously, this is a game where you're starting the Michigan defense. The talk of the game last week, J.J. McCarthy, who will start, went 11-12, 229 yards. Three touchdowns in that easy win over Hawaii last week. I know my partner, Mike Bainbridge, he's a Michigan guy. He's kind of told me to be careful with Donovan Edwards this week, maybe come out of last week's matchup a little dinged up. This is a game where they probably won't need him, and if there's a chance to rest him, this might be it right here before the Wolverines get closer to conference play. But I think if you have Blake Corum, you've got to go ahead and get him in there. It almost feels like these are the matchups where they get Ed, where they've gotten Corum and Edwards in. They've overpowered their opponents. They're going to get them. They're going to let them get their 75, 80 yards and a touchdown and get them out there, get them out the game. So if Edwards does in fact sit this game, this could be, could mean that maybe Corum gets a few extra carries in what should be an easy matchup. So I think you definitely are going to roll with Blake Corum and keep an eye on Donovan Edwards, and if you're not glued into the Discord, you're not into the Discord, reach out to us at the site. See what you need to do to upgrade your account and get in that Discord, get all the latest and uh, late-breaking news, particularly on Saturday mornings. Mike does a great job in that Discord. And the community, you guys that listen to this show, do a great job of getting that information in there for everyone else, and it's a tremendous help. So get in that Discord if you haven't gotten in there yet. Northwestern playing, hosting Southern Illinois, Evan Hull. Obviously, huge week last week as a receiver out of the backfield. He is going to be a must-start in this matchup. Rutgers playing at Temple. So let me touch on this game for just a second because I think we've got a couple of sneaky plays in this matchup if you guys are really struggling in some deep leagues with some buys. I think over on the Rutgers Rutgers side, Kyle Monongi, the running back for Rutgers. I think this could be a really good matchup, sleeper matchup for him, for you guys in deep leagues to get him into your lineup. And EJ Warner, it would be a surprise to me if he doesn't start at quarterback for Temple. That's the son of Kurt Warner, the former NFL player. Uh, And he looked pretty decent last week when he had some playing time. And if he, in fact, is the starter I think that makes wide receiver Jose Barbone a sleepy, uh, a, a nice dark sleeper this week. He had eight catches for 118 yards last week. I don't expect 
Temple to score many points in this matchup against Rutgers, who I do think their defense is a solid play this week. But if Warner does get the start, I do think that that makes Barbone a sleep uh, uh, a sneaky play at receiver in you in your deep leagues. Colorado playing at Minnesota, and so far Minnesota has just not been tested. So I think. You know, if you're holding on to Chris Ottman Bell right now at receiver, for me, he's still a hold. Minnesota's just hasn't played a matchup where they really had to throw the ball. Muhammad Ibrahim, four rushing touchdowns right now, running back Trey Potts behind him with three. Those two guys have combined for seven rushing touchdowns so far. Minnesota has not had to throw the ball much, and they won't have to this week because I expect their defense to be another good play again. In a matchup against a Colorado State offense that, I mean, a Colorado offense that just isn't very good. And New Mexico State isn't very good either. They're traveling to Wisconsin. We've got Wisconsin, one of the top defense plays of the week. You know, they're going to try to get right this week after that home loss to Washington State last week. Braylon Allen had 21 carries last week, could not break 100 yards, finished with 98. Ches Malisi, 15 for 44. Neither guy could find the end zone in that loss to Washington State. So I would expect Wisconsin to try to put things together this week in that matchup against New Mexico State, which for me, the Aggies, probably one of the three worst teams in the FBS. I think you've got to include them in a conversation maybe with UMass, with UConn, New Mexico State. I don't know if there's three worst teams in the FBS. If so, we're going to find out in the coming weeks. Penn State traveling at Auburn. This was a good game last year at Penn State. They go to Auburn this week. And for me, this matchup from a fantasy standpoint, I feel good about Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. But I'm really concerned about everywhere else. You know, we were worried about Penn State backfield last week. They tried to get that going a little bit uh, against Akron. Nick Singleton with a big game. He had a 70-yard touchdown run that really, really put his numbers over the top. I think he finished with around 170 yards last week. But traveling on the road at Auburn, I don't really have high hopes for that running game at Penn State. And quite frankly, I don't know about the passing game right now for Penn State. I think Mitchell Tinsley, the Western Kentucky transfer, has been the best bet so far this season. But going on the road at Auburn, I just wonder if there's going to be any consistency there from either team in the passing game. I wonder if Robbie Ashford's going to get some playing time at quarterback or if he's going to be the X factor in this matchup for Auburn. Uh, no confidence for me in TJ Finley. Uh, just a lot of question marks in this game. I'm, I'm, if, if I have Tank's big, Tank Bigsby running back of Auburn, I'm getting him in the game, but I'm probably passing on other players if they're on my roster this week and trying to see if I have better options elsewhere. Toledo playing on the road at Ohio State. I think all eyes will be on Jackson Smith in Jigba this week to see if he plays. The talk is, is that he's been getting healthier. I don't think, and, and, the, and the projections will reflect this. And this is where the projections get a little tough because we have to make manual adjustments on what we feel will play out in the rotation. For me, I'd like to think that Jackson Smith and Jigba is fully healthy. And I'd like to think that he's just going to step in and, and assume the role that he had in this passing game before his injury. But let's be honest, guys. Ohio State doesn't need Jackson Smith and Jigba this week, more than likely to get past Toledo. And so why would they risk him? And so maybe he gets in the game. Maybe they give him some snaps. Maybe he's going to be on a snap count 
But I still think if you have receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ekbuka, I think you've got to play those games because uh, play the both of those guys because they're still going to get a nice share of targets. And I just don't know if Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to play the whole game or if he's even going to play it all up until this point. Again, recording this Wednesday night, maybe we get a little bit more clarity heading into the weekend. But that's the issue. That's the problem. Those are the heartaches with college fantasy football. We just don't know with college football because of injury reports if what we're being fed is, in fact, the truth. And I just have doubts. I really want to say if you have Jackson Smith and Jigba and you have a deep roster, maybe look somewhere else. Here's my thing on this. And, you know, this is going to come up at some point throughout the year. Uh, So it may as well come up right now. When you're iffy about a player starting or playing, I would rather be wrong on the side of benching him until I know I see him play and he's healthy and be wrong and see him have a good game and miss out on that good game and know that I'm going to be set moving forward than taking a risk and starting him, getting a zero or maybe one, you know, because remember, you know, the auto sub feature is now in play in a lot of leagues and fan tracks this year, which is great. Great addition to that. Still have some quirks to work out, but, but, but it's a great addition. But you do run the risk of maybe Smith, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba playing a, you know, maybe a dozen, two dozen snaps, and maybe finishing with three catches for 40 yards. And so I'd rather err on the side of caution of not starting him, him have a big game and missing out on that, than starting him. And he plays two or three snaps and pulls himself out of the game because he's just not ready yet. And so that's my feeling on players in injuries. I'd rather see him on the field running around at full speed, catching seven or eight passes than playing in the game, getting a limited snap count, and finishing with two or three catches on the day. They don't, They should not need him against Toledo. Ohio State's more than enough, has more than enough to outman the Rockets on this. And, you know, like I said, every other player between quarterback, running back, receivers, you're getting everybody in. But for me, Jackson Smith and Jigba right now, as of Wednesday evening, for me, he's a bench until I can see him at full speed on the field. SMU playing at Maryland, and this one should be nice for all of the uh, the passing assets. Wide receiver Rasheed Rice, the quarterbacks Tana Mordecai, Twala Tagovailoa. The one player I'm really concerned about right now for Maryland would be receiver Dante Demas. You know, last week we had uh, we saw Jacob Copeland the Florida transfer and Ja'Shawn Jones. Both of those guys doubled down on found the end zone twice last week. You've got Rakeem Jarrett, who's been a, a consistent target for Tagovailoa through two games so far so far this year. And I'm just wondering with the emergence of of Copeland and Jones, uh, you know, if Demas is really a full go and you know, does he have a bounce back week? But for me, he's the guy that I'm benching right now because he's he I have to see him have a good game before I'm putting him in right now. And quite frankly, if it doesn't happen this week, I would think some of you guys would be ready to move off of Dante Demas after week three if he has another subpar outing. Nevada playing at Iowa. For me, there's no start at Nevada. Iowa defense is a must start this week. Let's see if the Hawkeyes can get the running game going. They have struggled so far through two games. For me, I'm not starting anyone on Iowa's offense right now. Maybe with the exception of tight end Sam Laporta, but look, they needed him last week. That was a back and forth game against Iowa. Well, not back and forth, but 
that was a game that they needed to try to score some points to beat Iowa State. I don't think Iowa's going to struggle with Nevada, but I didn't think Iowa would struggle in week one. If there's a start for me on the Iowa roster, it's tight end Sam Laporta. And right now I'm passing on that running game until we can see whether or not if they can get things going. Maybe they will this week in that matchup at home against Nevada. And then Michigan State traveling to the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, to play at Washington. So far, Michael Penix has looked really good at quarterback. The Virginia quarter, uh, transfer running back Wayne Twalapapa has scored both weeks, has looked really good as the lead back in that offense. And then, of course, should have a big week for Jalen McMillan. But this will be a week where Washington finally gets tested. The opponents for Washington, not too good. Kent State was the best so far that they faced, I believe they had Portland state last week. So, you know, a real step up for that Washington offense and a test this week with Michigan state so far, so good for that one, a one B punch of Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard in the Michigan state backfield. And I think the big question going into this week for a lot of you guys that have wide receiver, Jaden Reed is can, will Jaden Reed get things going? Will that Michigan state passing game get going this week? And so that really is Probably the biggest dilemma, biggest roster call to be made this week going into this matchup. But that's going to take care of all of the matchups in week three running throughout the Big Ten Conference. Let's head on over to the SEC now where we'll start off with the matchup at Missouri between Missouri and Abilene Christian. And so, you know, here's I, I just don't know about this game. I don't know about the Missouri offense right now. And quite honestly, you know, here's one of those matchups we're looking at in week three where I could see rotation, right? You've got a matchup against Abilene Christian. Maybe Nathaniel Pete, Cody Schrader split some carries in the backfield. Maybe they try to use Luther Burden again like they did the first game of the year. Dominic Lovett at least has been consistent as a receiver, but doesn't look like they're going to find the end zone too often. Brady Cook may be the more maybe the safer option out of the bunch, but uh, you know, let's see how things play out because I'm wondering if this is a game where maybe we see one running back get 15 to 18 carries, even though they're playing Abilene Christian, because I feel like Missouri needs an identity on offense. We haven't gotten that from them yet. And I feel a leader needs to emerge in that running back clubhouse. It looked like it may have been Schrader. Numbers say it could be Pete. Let's see if this matchup against Abilene Christian is a peek behind the curtain of what we're going to see through the remainder of the year. And I know a lot of you guys that were uh, on Luther Burden at the beginning of the year. I've got some thoughts on him. I know, you know, I told Mike at the beginning of the year, my projection was that I thought Lovett would finish as their best receiver more more so than Burden. I think Burden was more of a long-term play that I think a lot of guys were taking because they were listening to a lot of dynasty folks. But we'll see how that plays out. There's still a lot of season left to go, but I was not super high on Burden. He was on one of my uh, potential busts uh, lists of buyer beware. Uh, I maybe uh, hopefully I'm I'm jinxing reverse jinxing you guys that have burden and he works out well for you guys maybe this matchup against Abilene Christian but I don't have a lot of faith in that Missouri offense as it looks right now moving forward Youngstown State is traveling to Kentucky we did get some clarity on Chris Rodriguez it looks like he will be ready 
when they start SEC play against Ole Miss. I believe that game's on October 1st, but by then, you know, we've got to bridge the gap to get there. And I think Cavoise smoke after his 14 carry 80 yard performance in that win over Florida is probably a solid start this week in that home matchup against Youngstown State. Georgia on the road at South Carolina. I don't know if there's going to be a game where Georgia's defense is a bad play, so you're going to get them in. Obviously, you've got to be selective with your Georgia players. The big question, I think, for many fantasy owners going into week three on the South Carolina side is if you have receiver Antoine Wells and whether or not you're going to start him against the Georgia defense. And again, it's hard for me to say yes or no right here behind the microphone without knowing your roster. You've got to evaluate your depth. You've got to evaluate your other options, your other matchups. You may be forced into playing them based on your injuries, or you may have enough depth that you may decide to look elsewhere and just steer clear of the Georgia defense. Vanderbilt playing at Northern Illinois. I think on the Northern Illinois side for me, obviously selection play as well. I think Ontario Brown, you've got to start him if you have the running back there. Maybe even Harrison Whaley as well on the Vanderbilt side. And that's where I want to spend a minute because you've got quarterback Mike Wright and receiver Will Shepard who have started great. Started off great this season. Shepard with five receiving touchdowns. But if you've read my notes and observations, The schedule doesn't get any easier for Vanderbilt until the end of the year. This may be the time after this week to leverage a player like Mike Wright into trades to build that roster depth. If you feel like you've set at quarterback and you've got Wright there as a nice second or third option at quarterback on your roster, maybe you leverage his strong start and parlay it into a nice trade to build your roster where you needed other positions moving forward because the schedule does get tougher for Vanderbilt in the coming weeks, and they also have a bye as well. Louisiana Monroe playing at Alabama, and I have some thoughts on the Alabama offense right now. I think Jameer Gibbs, what you see is what you get. I don't think you're looking at a 20-carry game running back, but you can see the the flexibility he brings to the table as a runner and a receiver. I think you've got to feel really good if you have Jameer Gibbs. You know, this is a week where I don't have an Alabama receiver ranked in the top 20. Uh, that's, you know, it's been a while since we've been able to say that. But the one thing when you watch Alabama, the one thing that I've really been able to observe so far through the two games this year is that They just don't have that Jameson Williams player. They don't have the game breaker that can really open up that offense. If you ask me right now, if there's one player right now that may be able to do that, that we haven't seen yet, maybe it's Tyler Harrell, the Louisville transfer that came over. He was a big play every time he touched the ball or caught a pass at Louisville. And I'm wondering maybe if he fills that role, but I just think maybe possibly We're one year too early on Tyler Harrow, but let's see if he gets a chance to work in. Now, one thing that I did notice last week in that win against Texas was when Alabama needed to move the offense and they had to score. The one receiver that really stood out to me that Bryce Young looked for was Ja'Cory Brooks. And I'm wondering now if we're going to see Ja'Cory Brooks become a major part of this passing game moving forward, maybe that. Maybe that one series last week was the thing that gets Ja'Cory Brooks, who we were high on in the preseason, as a key part of this offense moving forward. Because 
Uh, also, Jermaine Burton, let me touch on him real quick, the Georgia transfer. You know, he just seems like everything that he's going to do is going to be under the 15-yard mark. He's going to carry – it looks like he's going to take care of some of the routes underneath. But I'm thinking Bama's really missing that vertical threat to open up the offense. Let's see how things play out. Look, this is a get-right game, Louisiana Monroe. A lot of people are wondering, hey, you know, Bryce Young going to explode this week. Alabama's offense, they're going to explode – I'm not so sure. I just think they're looking to get things tight. They're looking to get things fluid. They're looking to really streamline some things. I don't think that they're necessarily trying to run up the score this week and and say that, you know, they're going to be mad to try to get things right. I think really we just want to see the Alabama offense clicking, particularly the passing game. And I think that's the one thing I'm going to be looking for this week. Mississippi State playing at LSU. Pick your poison with the Mississippi State receivers. You, you have a number of options there. John Emery comes back for the LSU offense. They made a very uh they made an effort to get Kayshawn Booty involved in the offense last week. But let's be honest, that game was I think 42 nothing uh at the end of the first quarter against Southern. Uh it was basically a pinball game. Uh, you know, a video game they were playing there in Tiger Stadium. And this week should be much different. Home matchup against Mississippi State will probably be more challenging to that LSU offense. So let's see if they do, in fact, have gotten it put back together up in Baton Rouge. Akron playing at Tennessee. You know, Tennessee with that win last week against Pitt. If you've got, obviously, quarterback Hendon Hooker, receiver Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Jabari Small at running back. You're rolling with all these guys, but this could be a game, particularly after coming off a big win against Pitt, where you could see some rotation early in the second half if Tennessee's got this game put away. 47, 48-point favorites going into this matchup could be over with by halftime, but I don't think you sit any of those guys. I think Tennessee could roll up 30 points, 40 points by halftime, and that means Hendon Hooker could have at least two, you know, 200 yards passing three to four touchdowns total in the bank by the time this, the game goes to break. Missouri State playing at Arkansas. Again, another easy matchup for Arkansas. You wonder if we're going to get some rotation. Dominique Johnson, the running back, should be back. Remember, he was a force for them last year. He should be back in this matchup this week. But I still think if you have Raheem Sanders, you go ahead and get him in the lineup this week because He's going to be an important. He's an important part of that offense, and I think he gets his 100 yards this week against that Missouri State defense. And they try to get some rotation in there. Same thing with quarterback KJ Jefferson. You get him in there. You roll with Sanders and Jefferson this week, and then South Florida playing at Florida. And really, can Anthony Richardson get the train back on the tracks? After the debacle last week, that loss to Kentucky, he looked all world in week one. And for as good as he looked in week one, he almost looked that bad in week two. Can Anthony Richardson get that offense going? Well, can he get things going from a fantasy perspective in that home matchup against South Florida this week? That's going to take us through the SEC matchups. Next, let's head out west to the Pac-12 and South Alabama, Sunbelt opponent. Sunbelt's been dangerous in these non-conference matchups so far this year. They're traveling out west to play UCLA. I don't think this game is going to be as easy as some might think. I think South Alabama can score some points. I would not hesitate with starting uh, Jalen Wayne, the wide receiver for South Alabama. Maybe a little bit more of a question mark for LaDamian Webb, but 
I still think South Alabama could score some points. I mean, Bowling Green scored some points on UCLA. Why wouldn't South Alabama? On the UCLA side, Zach Charbonnet was rested last week. Uh, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson took a, took, a, took a pop earlier in the game, and Kelly took him out of there just for precautionary reasons. So nobody's hurt. Zach Charbonnet, quarterback uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, should be set full go this week in that matchup against South Alabama. Cal traveling to Notre Dame. Drew Pine getting the start for Notre Dame. Uh, Jade Knott, this isn't a good matchup, I think. The only player I'm looking to start in this matchup would be Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. BYU playing at Oregon. I said at the beginning of the year, I thought BYU had one of the tougher schedules in the nation. This game uh, doesn't do anything to, to help their cause. Christopher Brooks. Uh, for me, is a questionable start again because this isn't a great matchup. I mean, he didn't have the easiest time against Baylor last week. I think he might have more success this week against Oregon's defense. But for me, you know, with Puka Nakoa still questionable, Gunnar Romney out, like there's a lot of question marks around that BYU offense right now. They still find a way to get a win last week, and they could do that this week on the road at Oregon where a lot of you owners – some of you guys have gotten rid of running back Byron Cardwell. Some of you guys are still holding on to him right now. Uh, look, Noah Whittington got the early snaps in that backfield last week. I still think we, I, I still don't know what to expect from that Oregon offense right now. Really, the safest play in my book would be tight end Terrence Ferguson for uh, for Oregon so far. He had a decent game. I think he caught a couple of touchdowns last week. He might be the one look in this game on the Oregon side right now. Colorado State playing at Washington State. The, uh, the Cougars with a big win at Wisconsin last week. Really, that offense hasn't gotten going yet. But I think this, this week it changes. I, I'm expecting a big week from Cam Ward in the Washington State offense this week. And really on the Colorado State side, I, I'm not seeing much for Colorado this year. I'm not even seeing a lot of hope for them. I think if you have Horton, the wide receiver, you know, you're just hoping for a lot of garbage yards and touchdowns at this point, but there's nothing that impresses me about that Colorado State offense, and I'm just hoping that you guys that have invested in the passing game, particularly at quarterback with Millen and at receiver with Horton, you get your garbage yards because any I don't see anything else coming from that Colorado State offense this year. <clears throat> Montana State traveling to Oregon State. I bring this game up for two reasons. One, and I didn't realize this until I launched the projections Already tonight, I've already made the correction on this. Luke Musgrave, the tight end who has caught 11 passes so far on the year, gone on over 80 yards in both of the Beavers games so far this year. He's going to be out, it seems like, for a few weeks. Um, but Deshaun Fenwick, 19 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown in that win against Fresno State last week. And another thing that I want to mention Another solid matchup where we seem to get clarity. Remember, this was a backfield beginning of the year where we were wondering, you know, was it going to be a rotation? Was it the freshman Damian Martinez? Was You know, he was making waves in camp. Was he going to eventually take over that running back one spot? And I think right now, the only thing that that performance last week did for me was solidify Deshaun Fenwick in that one running back one role. But keep in mind, guys. I made reference to this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Jack Coletto, still a presence in that Wildcat. I think he had a couple of touchdowns last week in that win. So he will vulture some scores away from Fenwick, even though Fenwick seems to be established as the running back one. 
San Diego State playing at Utah. San Diego State has shown me nothing so far this year. This should be an easy game for Utah. Should be a big matchup for Tavy and Thomas. And maybe if you have some shares of Brant Cathy and uh, uh, Brant uh, Brant Cathy and and Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. Brant Cathy and uh, Kincaid, the tight ends for Utah. Maybe you get them in your lineup this week. Fresno State playing at USC. This should be should ha- this this one should be fun. There should be some offensive weapons that you guys are getting into your lineups. And I think for you guys that have Travis Dye, it was nice to see him get some heavy work last week. And so hopefully that's a trend that will continue in this USC offense. Qu- quite frankly, that was the concern of mine going into the new year on how much work, knowing that. Knowing the history of rotation that Riley has with his backs, that was my concern. But maybe they just use him for as much as they need him. And in these type of matchups, this is where you might see a guy like Die get a majority of the work in that USC backfield. North Dakota State traveling to play at Arizona. This is a tricky game. Be curious to see if there's an upset that's going to happen here. But no, make no mistake about it. Jacob Cowing is the go-to receiver and a frequent target of quarterback Jacob De, uh, Delora, uh, Jaden Delora for Arizona. And so Cowing is a must start. And then Eastern Michigan out of the MAC traveling over to Arizona State. And again, clarity I felt we got from the Sun Devils last week in that loss to Oklahoma State, even though in that loss, Zazavian Validate 21 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown in that loss to the Cowboys on the road last week. But I expect him to have a big week this week. I'm expecting over 100 yards again in back-to-back games. I think 100 yards and a touchdown is a really good floor for Zazavian Valaday this week, and I think he has a big game against Eastern Michigan, and that's going to round out the matchups in the Pac-12 conference, Pac-12 conference. Let's now get into the group of five matchups, group of five conferences, and we're going to start in the AAC where Cincinnati's taken on Miami of Ohio. And for me, really, it's all about that running back situation at Cincinnati, right? In the preseason, I remember uh, doing a show with Mike and we talked about where there were going to be some places where it was just going to take maybe three, sometimes four weeks, you know, let the the rotation get into the season. And it was going to be three, possibly four games for some of these uh, position battles to sort of shake out. It looked like in the opener against Arkansas that Corey Kiner was going to be their, you know, Cincinnati's best back. He looked like he was sort of emerging as their best back, as we thought in the preseason. And then, you know, they get that matchup last week and not really much was told. Kiner went for 39 yards on seven carries and a touchdown. Charles, Mc- Charles McClellan added 66 yards, had 10 carries himself and scored So here we go, third game of the year, and let's see how this shakes out. I'm still not comfortable projecting that we're going to see a clear-cut starter even after the end of week three. And for you guys of Corey, owners of Corey Kiner right now, I'm still optimistic that he's going to emerge as the running back one. I'm not going to say with full confidence that that's going to happen anytime soon. This might be a situation that takes even a couple of more weeks to play out, so let's follow that. This weekend, some of the other matchups we've already covered, but Campbell plays at East Carolina, right? And so for East Carolina, when you think of the passing game, Jalen Johnson, Isaiah Winstead are the receivers you're going to want to have in that offense. 
in the preseason or and leading up to the season, season, I even think in the week one show, I mentioned that last year, Keaton Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris, the, the, the carries were, were close, right? It was close to a 50-50 split, and Mitchell just had that really good yards per carry average last year. And I think what it comes down to is simply that, his big playability. Last week, first Old Dominion, he had an 81-yard run, finished with, I think it was around 160 yards. So, you know, again, Mitchell showing that he's got that big playability but he had 18 carries last week. Rajay, Rajay Harris had 16 carries, 61 yards and a touchdown. So it does look like we're going to get close to that 50-50 split again. And it may just come down to whether or not Mitchell can break along when, and really keep that yards per carry average up, which separates him from Rajay Harris. And in this matchup, you have to like Mitchell's chances going up against Campbell. One of the matchups in this conference we haven't covered yet is Arkansas State traveling to play at Memphis. And for me right now, as long as Tervalence Hunt is out, the receiver from Arkansas State that makes Champ Fleming's a solid play, he's by far their leading target man in that offense. And I think you've got to get him in your lineup. And I think so far the disappointment has been for some of you guys that may have jumped on Jeff Foreman in some of the later rounds of your college fantasy football drafts. Hasn't done much to date, and I can't see where he would be on many rosters up until this point. Over on the Memphis side, similar to Cincinnati, I thought we'd see a little bit more clarity at running back. We've got the third game of the year now. I think this, much like Cincinnati, it's going to take three, four weeks before we truly know what's going on or is what we see what we're going to get throughout the year and are we going to get constant rotation. Asa Martin, Brandon Thomas, Jay Ducker. I thought Ducker would be a little bit higher in the pecking order that he's been uh, than where he's been so far coming in as the transfer from Northern, Northern Illinois, but we haven't seen that yet. And so right now that rotation is really scaring me off of any Memphis running backs up until this point, Tulsa playing host to Jacksonville State. And, you know, as long as the running backs, Daenerik Prince, Anthony Watkins remain sidelines, reportedly it has to do with academic issues. They don't really have a lot of depth in that backfield. They're leaning on the passing game. The good news, if you have some shares of Keelan Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana, the receivers from Tulsa, this looks like another really busy week for them. You've got to hope that Jacksonville State scores some points, and then that Tulsa offense can keep going, keeping the ball going in the air. Keelan Stokes has started off the year so far with at least eight catches for at least 130 yards and a touchdown so far in each of the first two games of the year. And the other matchup we haven't touched on in this conference, Central Florida playing at Florida Atlantic, and I know last week, you owners of quarterback John Rice Plumley didn't have the greatest day in that matchup against Louisville. He had 131 pass yards. He still finished with 83 rush yards. Central Florida going up against an FAU offense that has scored 38 plus points in all three of their games so far. Now, what was the level of competition? I get that. That's questionable, but you do have an FAU offense that should be able to put points on the board. And that's good news if you have any of you UCF, UCF players, such as quarterback John Rice Plumley, maybe running back Isaiah Bowser, and then receiver Baker 
as well, right? So that's going to take care of the American Conference. Let's uh, skip over to, we're going to go into Conference USA, right into it. One of the matchups we haven't touched on in teams over in Conference USA yet, North Texas playing UNLV. And for me, the matchup, Aiden Robbins, the running back of UNLV. He's got a touchdown in both games so far this year. Oscar Attaway, the running back for North Texas, has scored a touchdown in all three games uh, this year for the Mean Green. And those are the two guys that I'm really eyeing in this matchup. Georgia Southern playing UAB. Uh, UAB coming off that loss against Liberty last week. Georgia Southern passing game looking pretty decent, at least if you've got receivers getting targets in that off- offense, Derwin Burgess. Jeremy Singleton, even Caleb Hood, they're not bad starts at all. They're going to get targets. The question is, how much will UAB have the ball, and can they control the clock? It was nice for them to get running back Dwayne McBride back last week. He had 20 carries, 177 yards, and a touchdown in that loss to Liberty. He should have another good week, another big week, perhaps 100-plus yards this week against that Georgia Southern defense. And back at running back on the Georgia Southern side, running back Jalen White, he scored two touchdowns so far in back-to-back games to start the year. So he's even worth a look as well, even though it's against the UAB defense. His yards isn't, that you know, he ha- doesn't have the highest yardage total, but he does have back- two touchdowns in back-to-back games to start the year. Middle Tennessee playing Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee coming off that win against Colorado State last week. I think so far the disappointment was where we had Jalen Lane ranked going into the 2022 season. He's been very quiet. The top targets in the MTSU offense so far has been Yusuf Ali, Isaiah Gaythings. And I think because Middle Tennessee is playing Tennessee State this week, after seeing what Frank Peasant did, after seeing his production against that against Colorado State last week when he went 22 rushes for 93 yards and a couple of touchdowns. I think that makes him a sneaky play this week as well against Tennessee State. Charlotte playing at Georgia State. Georgia State out of the Sun Belt Conference, but this is we're going through Conference USA right now. And I think for me, as long as Charlotte has some holes at quarterback with Chris Reynolds still being out there, they're a stay away for me playing Georgia State. Georgia State gave North Carolina fits last week, and I think this could be a nice matchup for running backs Tucker Gregg and Jameis Williams to get going against a bad Charlotte defense. Louisiana playing at Rice, and I think the conversation really revolves around running back Chris Smith at Louisiana. I thought up until this point he'd have a little bit more of the work volume, the the you know he we he'd have the little bit more of the majority of snaps up at this point of the carries in that UL backfield doesn't seem to be the case right now. I think again, similar to what we saw at Cincinnati, similar to what we're talking about at Memphis, what we see out of Louisiana this week may be a little telling moving forward in regards to whether or not Chris Smith might be the guy or emerges that go-to running back, or are we just going to see some rotation right there? So there's a lot of running back rooms under the microscope this week in a very pivotal week three for a lot of you fantasy owners. And then rounding out the matchups in Conference USA, UTEP playing at New Mexico. And I think for me in this matchup, quite frankly, it just comes down to Tyron Smith, the wide receiver from UTEP. Can he continue to get his targets against uh, New Mexico's defense? And maybe, maybe a sleeper play would be Ronaldo Flores from uh, UTEP as well 
see if that passing game can get things going against New Mexico. A couple of matchups to talk about in regards to the independence that we haven't touched on yet. Army playing Villanova, and I think you know all the eyes for fantasy wise are going to be on Jacoby Buchanan right now. The you know the quarterback there's a rotation. Jacoby Buchanan has scored three touchdowns in the first two games. He has yet to break the 35-yard rushing mark in either of Army's first two games. So maybe he finds the end zone and maybe he gives you a 50-plus yarder uh, performance this weekend. That's what I'll be looking for. That's what I'm expecting from Jacoby Buchanan this week. And then the other matchup that we haven't touched on yet, Stony Brook playing at UMass and at least it was nice last week to see Ellis, running back Ellis Merriweather get a majority of the carries in that UMass backfield after Tim Baldwin led the team in carries in week one. Merriweather had 17 carries last week, and you would think that this matchup against Stony Brook, if you have Merriweather on your roster up until this point, I think you have to play him probably the best matchup that they're going to have all year. And so if you're holding him up until this point, I think you've got to roll the dice and you've got to get him get him in there in the lineup this week. Let's go into the Mac conference where Long Island playing at Kent State. I've talked about on the show for the last two weeks and even in the preseason how daunting Kent State's schedule was over the first four weeks. This is the one break in the schedule. So I think if you have quarterback Colin Schley, you have wide receiver Dante Cephas, you have running back Marquez Cooper. You've got to get them in for this matchup this week against Long Island. Bucknell playing at Cincinnati. Central Michigan will be without receivers Dallas Dixon and Carlos Carrier this week. What does that mean? Hopefully that means a big dose of, of running back Lou Nichols, who struggled last week in that loss to South Alabama after he had a decent opener against Oklahoma State in week one. Hopefully Nichols can get things going for you guys this weekend in this matchup against Bucknell. Buffalo traveling to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, still no signs of Braden Bennett yet. It'll be, I'll be interested to see if we get word as we get closer to that game, if he's you know any closer to make an appearance here in week three. If not, Reese White, a must start this week. Reese White didn't particularly, his numbers weren't great last week after a super week one, which I think he scored three touchdowns. So you've got to get him into your lineup. I think over on the Buffalo side right now, if you're still holding any shares of Ron Cook Jr., I think now might be the time to move on. For you that are for you guys that are holding him, this will probably be the the, the telling matchup that are, to determine his fate on your roster. Mike Washington led the team in carries last week, but that Buffalo team lost to Holy Cross. That's not a good sign going into MAC play. The expectation. Should not be much. You shouldn't be too high for Buffalo this year. And right now, that running game doesn't seem like it's going to thrive. And so I'm really scared to jump on anything or any player involved in that Buffalo offense right now, in particular, the running game. Murray State playing Ball State. Murray State has been a punching bag so far through a couple of weeks. This is really good spot for Ball State to play them. I think you could have a big week from running back Carson Steele this week, and I would not be shy at starting both receivers, Jayshon Jackson and Johans Tyler for Ball State this weekend. Marshall playing at Bowling Green. We'll talk on talk about Marshall right now and running back Kalen LeBourne. Uh, Marshall right now 2-0. That big win over Notre Dame last week. LeBourne has looked spectacular, but we got reports that Rasheen Ali is back at practice. 
and that more than likely Rasheen Ali plays this weekend. So emails coming in this week. Where should we value Ali? Does he step in and just take over at running back one? Does he get worked in? You know, does he see a little bit of action here? Here's what I'll say. I think Bowling Green has a chance to score some points, but Marshall, you know, you know, considering how they've looked the first two weeks really has a chance to distance themselves in this matchup and really make a statement here. It's hard for me to think that a guy like Kalen LeBourne that has looked really solid through the first two weeks is just all of a sudden going to take a back seat. I don't think that's how it's going to go, in my opinion. And this is just strictly from my point of view, understanding the game and understanding matchups in a game that Marshall should probably control most of the way. It's hard for me really to project right now that Rasheen Ali would get more than 50% of the work in the backfield for Marshall. I think Ethan Price becomes the odd man out, but all of a sudden I don't think you're going to see Rasheen Ali get 25 carries and Kalen Laborde just get kicked to eight to 10 rush attempts. So I think you're going to see more of a 50-50 split. We'll reassess the situation next week based on what we get this weekend in that matchup against Ball State. But for you owners of Kalen LeBourne and Rasheen Ali, probably the worst case scenario for you guys is that you're probably looking at a 50-50 split for both guys this weekend in that matchup. Let's switch gears, go out west a little bit, and we're going to go to the Mountain West Conference, the teams that we haven't talked about yet, Air Force in Wyoming. For me, it comes down to Brad Roberts, the fullback for Air Force, 100-plus yards in two straight games to start the year, four total touchdowns so far up until this point, and Titus Fenn getting things back on track last week in that Wyoming running game, three touchdowns in that win versus Northern Colorado. This is a step up this week. This should be a nice play. Actually, both of the field goal kickers, I believe, are ranked in my top 20 rankings this week. So if you're looking for a kicker, this isn't a bad matchup to find one this weekend. Tennessee Martin playing at Boise State, another running back room that's sort of under the microscope for me. But, you know, you've got the youngster Ashton Genty getting some work in there. George Halani's obviously getting his touches. There's just, you know, this offense for me for Boise State just doesn't look like it's going to be a high scoring offense. It just doesn't seem like it's working and it's clicking right now. So far, a complete whiff for us on Stefan Cobbs, who we had projected at that wide receiver one, taking on a similar role that Khalil Shakir had last year. That hasn't been the case. It hasn't even been close to the case. Uh, you know, hasn't even been in the ballpark of what I thought was going to happen and really just concerns around that Boise State offense. Hank Backmeyer stepped back in last week, looked pretty good. But from an efficiency standpoint, you've got to remember the competition that they're playing last week. I believe it was New Mexico. This is Tennessee Martin. I'm really concerned about that Boise State offense as we as they move into Mountain West play. And then the other matchup that the team we haven't talked about in the Mountain West up until this point is Hawaii, right? And so Duquesne playing at Hawaii. Hawaii coming off a trouncing to Michigan. Uh, they've obviously lost to, to Vanderbilt, who beat them up pretty good. Western Kentucky beat them. Hawaii just looks bad. I'm jumping ship on all their players right now. But if there's a point to have and own a Hawaii player right now, it's for this two-week stretch of Duquesne and New Mexico State. Probably the only two games on the schedule that I see Hawaii having a chance of winning. And I think if you're going to ride, maybe the two safest bets on Hawaii's roster going into the next two weeks would be running back Diedrich Parson and possibly wide receiver James Phillips, who seems to be the first guy that they look for in the passing game right out of the slot uh, at, at the inside receiver spot. Those would be my two picks. But 
much like I mentioned with Vanderbilt earlier in the show, and I mentioned this about them last week, if you have any Hawaii players or you're holding on to them, you've just got to hope that they produce this week or next week. I would leverage those guys in some sort of a trade if you could, if you need to use them as an extra piece in a trade, because I don't see any value in Hawaii players as the season progresses past that matchup against New Mexico State in a couple of weeks. And then let's head on over to the Sun Belt, where we're where we'll end things with a couple of matchups and teams, a couple of matchups uh, involving teams that we haven't talked about up until this point. Con- uh, conference matchup for the Sun Belt: Troy playing Appalachian State. The one note that I'll say about Troy is, I think we missed this one a little bit in the preseason. I thought we would expect to see Troy a lot more run heavy, offensively, in their scheme leading up to this season. What we've gotten is 45 pass attempts in the opener against Ole Miss, got 48 pass attempts last week. All of a sudden now, you're looking at 93 pass attempts through two games, and I still don't have a star-studded receiver in that Troy offense where I'd really say you've got to go get this guy even though they've thrown the ball 93 times, right? Over on the Appalachian State side, you had Nate Noel miss last week's game. Cameron Peoples took over, and Appalachian State upset Texas A&M. Big win for the Mountaineers, but let's see if Noel coming back. And like I said, no word yet. As we get closer to the weekend, we may get some more clarity. But if Noel plays, I think you've got to get him in there. Cameron Peoples right now seems like a, a really good start. If Noel's out, that's something you got to keep an eye on. Pay attention. Go into that Discord server on game day. Let's see what's going on with Nate Noel or if we get any news leading up to the weekend on whether or not he'll be ready to rock and roll. And then USM playing Northwestern State out of Louisiana last week. Frank Gore laid an egg, and that was expected. They went on the road, played at Miami, just 10 yards rushing. But the week before, he had 178 yards and two touchdowns in that overtime loss to Liberty. And I would think that if you this is a, a game to get the train back on the, on the rails for USM, I think you're going to get a heavy dose of Frank Gore I could see him going over 100 yards this weekend with ease in that matchup against New Mexico, uh, against Northwestern State. And that's going to take care of all the matchups. That's it. That's the full FBS slate. Another long show this week. These shows will probably get a little tighter and a little shorter as the season wears on because we're going to have fewer matchups. We're going to get more conference matchups as we get into week four and further down the line. But that's going to do it for the week three show. The challenge for me is let's get this up. Let's get it uploaded. Let's get it edited. Let's get it on for you guys to listen to. You guys make the decisions on what you need to for your lineups this week. I know myself and Mike. Mike's heavy in the Discord server. If you need to reach out to me, you know, DM me in the Discord. A lot of you guys that have the All-American and the Heisman uh, membership levels have my email as well. If you have either of those levels and your Discord link has expired or you need a new one or you feel like you just overlooked it and didn't get it in the email, shoot the site an email and I will get you a new link or send me a, uh, you know an email and let me know that your link expired. I'll get you a new link, but let's get you in there. Let's get you participating and be part of being part of the CFF's Discord community. But that's it. That's going to do it for week three. Once again, my name's Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site. Good luck to everyone this weekend. I will see and talk to you guys in week four.